Okay, so we're recording again. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Platypus Podcast. I am Lozy. I am joined by Eternal, Talvet and Sipiak this week. And we are going to be generally doing chit-chats about various news from Paradox, along with just various talkings as well. Um, <clears throat> I'm playing Hearts of Iron 3 on stream. I've literally just done this again. This is our second attempt at this intro, mainly because the first time went down. Um, the TS we were using crashed. And yeah, we were stuck. So we've moved to a different TS and we're going to carry on with the podcasting of podcasts. Because um, that totally makes sense. Thank anyway, God for Danzig and his team speak. Yeah, thank you, Danzig. Um, I'll have to change the description. I won't be able to just copy and paste. Um, thanks to the 19 TE. Because, yeah, it didn't work this time. Anyway, moving on. Um, so we've got a little bit to talk about this week. Not Not too much. There's just a little bit to talk about. Um, primarily to do with the stocks of products, which we're going to talk about first, and then we're going to move on to what you guys can probably expect from Hearts of Iron 3. 3? 4. Um, <laughs> this podcast is going to be, is brought to you by failings.net. If you ever, no, I'm, it's not sponsored, and I don't know why I'm trying to make a joke out of it, because it's just not going to work. Basically, that's summing up how the podcast is going very poorly. <laughs> Anyway, not welcome. to run a real website. Yeah. Anyway, welcome, and yeah, we're gonna get get cracking. So, this week on Tuesday, in fact, Paradox opened up its IPO, which basically means that it's now trading publicly on the Nasdaq, and that means you, yes, you at home, can go and buy yourself some Paradox shares. Now, do you want to buy Paradox shares? Well, yes. Why not? It means you can have a little bit of. Um, money in the company and then you can feel better or worse about when they do stuff that you don't like you know how it is you know how everyone reacts to to things like this um it's just a general general rule of thumb um so yeah that's what you can do um and yeah as i say it was released on the nasdaq this week and it was something that's been in the news for a while they announced it about i said about two months ago and there was a lot of people who were a little bit nervous about it. They were worried that basically just normal investors were going to buy a lot of the shares and that the shares were basically going to be, well, prices were going to rise and Paradox was going to go down the shitter because basically nobody was going to buy them who actually cared about the shares. That is yet to come to fruition as far as we're aware. There is one major investor though, and we will get onto them in a minute. But before that... What do you guys think, personally, you guys, think about Paradox becoming a publicly traded company on the stock exchange? Uh, doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it means a lot. <laughs> well, you tell me what it means. Well, Anytime say, a company goes uh, public like that, though, I mean, uh, the people that buy the stock can influence what happens with those products and when another company like what happened goes and uh, and buys you know a number of stocks no matter as long as it's over a certain percentage they have a say in what goes on and that could become a problem for maybe the quality of the products they're releasing or just, you know uh 
people's interests might wane because they might try to appeal to a different group of people. You you know what I mean? Well, not like it's gonna get any worse than that. The last two Paradox games have been appealing to bigger groups of people. That I, that is a good point, but the the fact is, is it means that they, there's a possibility that the investors investors who buy a lot of the company might look at it and go, well, actually, Paradox, these games, these grand strategies aren't appealing to the right audience. Maybe make them on a smaller scale or something something slightly different that basically generally people don't want to buy or Paradox fans themselves don't really like. That's a possibility. The likelihood of that happening is very low. The reason that is, is Paradox themselves have said that Frederick Wester and um, Jörn, I forget his surname, will control um, 33% of the stocks um, and shares. So that means that they will be overall majority shareholders and therefore they have the final say pretty much in anything that they want. Um, which is good because it generally means that people are who were worried about shit like that happening shouldn't panic because he is controlling um, it himself and it's paradox is going to be staying within kind of its its own company as far as it's aware um, it's it's not going to change hands from anyone there's not going to be anybody taking over new for a while and well you never know it might be but at the moment it's kind of staying in the same kind of hands and it's going to re mostly remain the same that being said, moving quite quickly on to one of the bigger kind of um, investors at the moment is Tencent. So if you don't, if you're unaware who Tencent are, Tencent are a company who basically run the multiplayers for uh, FIFA and Call of Duty. They are a Chinese company and they basically um, also run various different games like League of Legends, etc. And they do have quite a large impact on the Chinese market. Now, Tencent, which um, operates, it also operates social network as well, kind of claimed that they were a big fan of Paradox and liked the way that they work and kind of just wanted to own a little bit of it. They have bought 5.28 million shares in Paradox, which, while seemingly a massive amount, actually only culminates in 5% of the shares. So don't panic too quickly in thinking that China is taking over Paradox. That's not the case <laughs> at the moment. Just, um, just a foothold. <laughs> they offered them a lower price than what the IPO opened at. The IPO opened at 44 cro Swedish kroner um, per share. They offered them that at 33 Swedish kroners per share. And they've bought 5.28 million of them. That is a lot of money flooding into Paradox. Um, that is, oh, if my maths is right, 150 million kroner, which turned that into dollars, which I'll do on the fly. Um, 150 million. Two seconds. Someone talk. How big is that related to their actual yearly income then, for example? Um, Gotta got put that in percentages. Well, that's $1.8 million has just been invested in Paradox by Tencent. Um, and Paradox's overall turnover um, comes out at roughly 604 million Swedish kroner. So it's about a, a quarter of their annual turnover. 
um, or annual revenue, sorry, is just being kind of dumped on them in one lump sum. Um, which, any which way you cut it, is a lot. Like but the, what that could mean is that they could just make a bunch of shitty shit, push it out, and make more money instead of focusing on what the the shit that they're actually doing and making it more quality. True. That, that's the way I look at it. I mean, that's, that's you... a bit of a negative way of looking at it. Yeah, but... I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Is a negative way. There is also another way you can look at it, which is you can look at it at the fact that this is allowing Paradox to kind of not take as many like risks with games. Or, sorry, take more risks with games. Um, not create games that are as safe and kind of, oh, this is going to appeal to a certain market. The reason that is, is because they've already got a quarter of a million of their, uh, sorry, not a quarter of a million, a quarter of their um, revenue for this year already in the fact that Tencent has invested so much. And they can then use that money that they've been invested to build new games, build new games that they want to make, build stuff that they, they like, you know what, we don't care if this doesn't sell, that we want to sell it to our fans. Now, will Paradox do that? Maybe, maybe not. They're not too bad when it comes to doing fan service. Um, just the question is, are we loyal enough fans and do they like us enough to do that? We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but there's a lot of speculation that can be had about Tencent and their investment in Paradox. So, why are they investing so much? Well, they could be investing so much because they want to try and get Paradox into the Chinese market, which is very possible. They could be trying to um, help Paradox with certain things. So, for example, they might be trying to maybe work with them to create a Chinese-based game. That would be pretty cool. Whether or not that will that's what's actually going to happen is, well, again, waiting to be seen. It's speculation, obviously. Um, and that is a problem. One can only speculate about what Tencent wants with this much shares. But one can always remember that it is only actually 5%. So what do you guys think when I take mm, So, yeah, it looks like Tencent have been, over the last few years, investing like a little bit, 5-10% into a lot of gaming companies. Yeah. Just all diversifying their investments I guess. Now they they do games so they put money into games because hey maybe one of those games blows up. You know how it is with games. Sometimes yeah. games become big games then you make a lot of money. So it's... I don't think this is any kind of investment into uh, trying to have control over the company rather it is an investment into a company suddenly becoming a mainstream game producer. Mm. Um, it's, I have it's... a huge problem with this, to be honest. Go on. Like, here's my problem. It's Chinese company. Now, I'm not trying to discriminate against Chinese companies, but, I mean, with their current government form, the Communist Party has involvement in every company in China. I mean, that, that to me is kind of like, oh, hmm, I don't really know if I want the Chinese government involved with the... Uh, game company that I like so much, you know what I mean? And there's been a lot of controversy with the company. They like to copy things from other companies, uh, even companies they've invested in, and then just re-release it. I mean, I, I don't think they're the greatest uh, company. I mean, if there was any other company, I probably wouldn't have a problem with it, but I, I don't know. They, they seem a little sketchy. I think the whole situation is a little sketchy. I feel like they only got involved uh, for specific reasons. Now, we're not 
they had to have written a contract for this, and we're not privy to the details, the fine print, as people would say, of this contract. So, so you never know why, like, what was the reason? Like, it's not like uh, they they're just like, hey, we like this company, we're gonna invest all this money. No, that's not how it works. That is not how it works at all. They need to know that they're going to be making a profit off of this. They need to know uh, where the company's heading, what they're going to be doing next. Uh, and they, and they, like, if you're investing that much money, you want to be able to have a say in some of the things going on. So, I mean, I guess we're going to have to wait and see what happens with it. But that's just what I think of the situation. I don't really like it that much. I'd rather mm-hmm. look at how other game companies ended up being when they were, became shareable. Um, I believe that Blizzard Activision uh, has stocks, right? Mm-hmm. As well as uh, what is called Electronic Arts. Yeah, and EA went to shit after they went public. Thank you, Directive. So, if you like some of this history this company has, let's say Activision Blizzard, which actually has a good history uh, being shared in stocks, I believe, um, then it's all cool. And I think uh, paradox, the fact that Paradox said to take this approach means they had to take it in order to accomplish something. They didn't just say it one day and say, hey, let's sell our shares. There's a reason behind it that some of us don't know. Some of us can speculate. But whatever the reason is, I think it's for the better. I mean, I think Sifiak's got a fairly good point there. The way that he's saying that actually it's... It could be them just investing in a lot of companies in the West and a lot of game companies in the West because, as he says, you never know, there might be just one game out there that will become the next big game. Um, And that next big game is something that if they've got some shares in, they're going to get some money from. And then that money just comes back to them. It doesn't harm them too much to... If they are as big as they are with League of Legends, FIFA Online, Call of Duty Online, it doesn't really harm them investing in smaller companies to get like returns um they're really just giving a little bit of money and then hoping for a big return now it might not pay off but then again the other end of the argument is it could suddenly pay off and then they could get a lot of money from it etc etc so it's it's a two-way it's like a kind of two-way kind of stick basically um two-way stick that's not the right term so two like it's two-way street yeah so for paradox is going to get the money from it and they're going to use it for themselves now I don't know. I'm looking at a, a list of just all the companies they've um, invested in going back to like 2014. Mm. And I mean, most of them are Asian companies. Uh, some of the the notable ones that I see are like Discord and Lyft and, and things like that. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Even, even in the past year, they haven't invested in that many Western uh, like companies at all. So... And and of the of the amounts that they're investing, I mean, they are investing large amounts in companies. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that the investment in Paradox is a large. Uh, like, I mean, one right here is uh, what was it, three point three billion, in this yeah. uh, ch- other Chinese company. So, like, you know what I mean? They're making large investments in companies. Um, but I don't know because this is what sketches me out. They have it listed as a private. Private equity. All the other ones are listed as uh, Class A or Series A, Series C, Series B, uh, which are like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're professional deals, I guess. You you Mm. know what I mean? Like this is more like a a private venture, which makes me wonder like what their their aim is, what they're trying to accomplish. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Um, As I say, I think 
Fairlust has gone um, not independent, but gone public is an interesting one. Um, and one that people should look at and wonder why, but I don't think it's something to be overly panicked about at this moment. Um, so I think leave it for we need to kind of see how it goes basically is the term i would use because paradox is a fairly large company particularly in sweden and they sell a lot of games and there's a lot of people playing the games so so long as paradox stick to what they're doing then there's not a problem i think what it means is it allows paradox to kind of expand their kind of um publishing sector which is something that they've been doing for a very long time. They they publish a lot of people's work. Smaller game companies. Well, I mean, f- gone. A good example of a company they've invested in, and I, I consider that they pretty much run is Riot Games, uh, Legal Engines, and shit. You, We're you not know about what I mean? Tencent. We're not about Paradox here. I'm just saying, like, like what, like I don't know, like they they're successful, but I don't know, man. I don't know. They don't really pay attention to like their fans as much as they did before the investment. You know I, what I mean? No, I don't know. I don't think that's true. I think you're uh, straws there. I don't know. Um, At least in my opinion. I mean, I used to love League, but oh, you're not I don't League. Because yeah. League is the Riot Games, you know, Tencent, you know. Yeah, I thought you were still talking about Paradox. I'm just. Um, Never mind. But yeah, well, <laughs> it's something we'll have to have to look at and have to wait and see. So now the boring bit is out of the way. The um, the kind of the the news of news that we thought we might as well bring to you because it's a follow up to our bringing this out when we talked about it a few weeks ago with when it was first being announced and everyone was freaking the fuck out. Um, again, I'm just going to reiterate the point that we reiterated last week. I'd like to thank everyone for their support so far of this podcast. You guys have been absolutely fucking amazing. Um, if you excuse my French, um, our last podcast that we've uh, released absolutely smashed our overall goal. Um, and yeah, it was that popular. It beat our record for most listened podcast in a day by the time I uploaded it. So I would like to thank everybody so, so much for that. Um, again, this podcast is just something we do for fun, or at least I do for fun. These guys just get roped in. Um, but seeing that you guys listen to it and you guys enjoy it really means that it gives us incentive to carry it on, to look at it more and whatever. My point is still stand for last week. If you want to support us even more, we have a donations page on the Patreon page. If you want to send us artwork, music, whatever you want to do, send it in. Um, Reddit, Twitter, um, or do have a Twitter which is at LozyPC. Um, and yeah, we will happily take it and we'll look at it and yeah. We get enough, we might even talk about it on the podcast. But yeah, just thought I'd let you guys know that you guys are absolutely fucking amazing. And uh, yeah, we love you all. So, thank you very much. Anyway, moving on to the more important and more fun point. So, this, well, I say this week, today, the Paradox um, lifted their embargo on Hot Fire 4 videos. And the subreddit is absolutely flooded with them. Now, before that, there was a couple of videos discussing the kind of what to expect a little bit from Hearts of Iron 4 and it's something we're going to go into now um, this is something that I've kind of done myself and I'm going to basically explain various points and the guys here are going to going to talk about how they feel about the certain things we're talking about so whether that be the new way of production whether that be the new way of laws whether that be the general ahistorical focus and 
Also, we're going to talk about how probably the players are going to react. These guys are going to basically be commentating on what I'm saying. So, what to expect from Hearts of Iron 4? Well, firstly, expect it to look a lot nicer than this. I am playing Hearts of Iron 3 right now on the stream, because remember, we do this podcast live every Thursday, um, just to put it out there. And, uh, yeah, it, we're playing this on stream, and it is fairly ugly. Um, it's okay in its right mind, but the map is kind of... You always play it in diplomacy map mode, you never really play it in terrain map mode. And, yeah, it's meh. It's okay, the graphics. It kind of reflects Paradox's age and what they were doing with it at the time. The other thing to expect, and what to expect, is don't expect to be micromanaging. This game is not about... The Hearts of 4 is moving away from micromanaging. Although, expect to micromanage. There is also kind of... It, basically, it's being set up that you can be as involved or as uninvolved as you want. You can basically set the AI to do everything, which you can kind of do in Hearts of Iron 3 anyway. Um, or you can just take over various different roles. Again, you can do this in Hearts of Iron 3, but it appears in Hearts of Iron 4, this is going to be expanded. So, with generals, one of the major things about the new game is the fact that there is battle plans, kind of like you have the battle plans in Hearts of Iron 3, but more in the style of a kind of risk-esque grand strategy. So, you will set up a front line and you will set up an attacking and defensive front line. You will then take send a arrow roughly where you want your guys to go and roughly where you think the um roughly where you think you want your men to go and fight like finally end up then you can literally click go and watch your commanders go ahead and they will go and take that area that's where the lack of micromanaging in, in battles comes in however the opposite to that is you can still control individual um divisions completely so Whereas in Hearts of Iron, you generally control each division and tell it where to go. Hearts of Iron 3, Hearts of Iron 4, sorry, I keep getting them mixed up and I'm going to not have to do that if that's what I'm going to want to talk about for a while. Hearts of Iron 4, you can go, here is a big arrow. Um, and I want my big arrow to say, for example, if you're invading Germany, uh, invading Russia via Germany, I want my big arrow to go to Stalingrad. Then the big arrow will go to Stalingrad and then your forces will take everything in between. Um... Not exactly everything, but it will take a fair whack of it. Um, there'll be kind of like a green cross on the maps and territories, and then you'll then generally go in and take that. So what do you guys think of that new new system? Is it I like you? It. Hey, of Iron 3 has it as well. Except um, instead of painting arrows, you paint a bunch of dots on the map, and the AI still goes takes those, I think. Yeah, at least, yeah, I tried to use your it. allies, but your own units don't. You oh no, they do. Like it was added in in one of the expansions. I don't know if you use it or not. But yeah, I've, I've definitely didn't done it before. I don't think you can. Well, I know I hey, did. Hey, wake up! It's uh, it's not as good as just moving units on your own because well, there I can't match up to your engine breaking skills of a regular player. So yeah, I think you no. Know, if we have power players. The type of people who want to get the best out of their units are still gonna micromanage units one by one, like cycle them about or attack in specific formations which exploit the game engine's problems the most. And uh, we'll also have players who couldn't give a shit, so they'll just paint an arrow and have a go. Yeah, it's. Go on. Oh, yeah, that, that's about it. No, it's all right. Yeah. So yeah, not even that new, really. 
Halfway on Rage 3 has it, you just have to automate your army, like put a bunch of dots on the map and tell them to aggressive formation or something. Yeah, it's it's quite, quite garbage right now, though. It doesn't use air forces, it doesn't use so naval basically, forces. So um, basically, it's just cleaner in, in 4 than 3. Is um, what I'm getting out of this. Is that it's just more cl uh, like a cleaner, a better designed uh, version of what Sipiak is saying is in 3. I don't know if I'd say it's... Hopefully better working to Yeah, I don't know if I'd say it's completely better um, designed than what's in um, Heartsfine 3, but it is this kind of, as you say, cleaner idea. Um, yeah, it's it's fairly fairly new in component, as you say, fairly fairly clean. Um, but it's, it's, as Sipiak says, it's kind of opening... Um, opening up for people and it's kind of making it so people who aren't really willing to sit down with 170, uh, 170 divisions on the eastern front and click each one individually it's kind of going well this is what you can do right now you can let us do it um which is fair enough i suppose um it's it's okay it's not too bad but you can't create pincer movements with it you're gonna have to be individual with it so yeah it's not necessarily perfect and as you say it doesn't incorporate air forces or naval forces etc talking of naval forces and plans however there is a bit of a difference in hearts find four so before on hearts find three it was very very easy to kind of get away with a naval invasion you literally just clicked on the place you loaded troops into either um landing craft or transport ships and you just kind of right clicked on something and then the forces would go to the enemy territory and they'd invade it in Hearthstone 4, you can't do that unless you have um, naval superiority of at least 50%. And it's also the same with power drops. So you can't power drop into an area unless you have air superiority of 75%. Now, the idea of this is it makes uh, occasions like Operation Sea Lion a lot more difficult. It kind of replicates the idea. Oh shit! I kind of replicates the ideas of D-Day. I just flicked a pen halfway across the room, um, and um, various different invasions that have happened in. Um, the region uh, in the Second World War. So, for example, as I say, D-Day and Operation Sea Line. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. It will make it mean it's a lot more difficult for, say, the German player to be able to actually invade the UK because, obviously, um, standardly, the way you can get away with invading the UK pretty much straight away from defeating France, um, as long as you've got enough transport ships and you can land them quick enough. In Hearthstone 4, you won't be able to do that until you actually take out a large chunk of the British Navy and close off the um, English Channel. Which, again, speaking of the English Channel, something to expect is the English Channel is a lot wider. It's now three provinces across rather than one. This is so that U-boats and ships can uh, sneak out the sea a lot easier than they were doing before. So, talking to those new kind of ideas for invasions, etc., what do you think? I personally think they're amazing. I think they're a great idea, and I think it's going to be um, a good touch. But obviously, we're talking about how you guys think of it. Yeah. Well, uh, you go ahead. I, I like that Navy and uh, Air is more involved in this than it was in uh, Hearts of Iron 3. Because, you know, in Hearts of Iron 3, I never really felt like air superiority missions were any good, for example. Or having your ships patrol out was doing much. I think this is gonna help those parts of it out. At least for me. 
Yeah. So you think it's going to bring more like depth to that, or is that what you're saying? Um, I think it'll just make those spots more important. Because like right now you just you know you move your infantry units about, and the if you have uh, air forces, they're usually for bombarding supply or something. And if you have ships, they I don't know what ships do. Do they do anything? Because they can uh, blockade ports sometimes them. if you have a lot of them. Yeah, and you can also use them to um, give coastal bombardment bonuses in battles, etc. Um, and they can escort; they can act as escorts for supplies. So, say you have like one. Um, say you have like one corridor of supply going between Denmark and Norway. You can stick your fleet to escort that convoy. So it's it's a lot more difficult for them to take out than just taking it with uh, submarines, etc. So so yeah, this this feels also like a step toward less micromanagement to me because you no, know, instead of having your ships patrol in well-defined ways so that no transport can sneak past you, you just kind of have those ships and well, transport can sneak past you because you have those ships. No, yeah. I mean it brings, as you say, more impetus to building navies and using air forces and that's one of the major things as well something to expect from Hans Fine 4 is the fact that there's no longer just going to be one aircraft uh one two three aircraft per airfield there are going to be hundreds so one of the big things they've done is they've changed the way airfields work so airfields and various other provincial buildings work on states rather than um, individual provinces individual provinces can build certain equipment um, and can have various different things attached to them but mainly airfields and industry kind of work on a state level so you can have your airfields up to level five on um in a state and each level raises it if i'm correct by 200 aircraft um so that's massive considering if on my current germany game um the amount of aircraft i have is around about the one i'm playing it's around about 50 50 to 60 aircraft, uh, aircraft. So it's actually 48, exactly, uh, 48. So it's pretty damn close. And that is a large amount for Germany, and it does cover everything I need it to cover. Um, so it's nothing, as I say, that is too major, but yeah, it's definitely stuff that is. Um, yeah, which, well, it's going to add massive effects to it because it's going to pop up and kind of make it seem much more total war not the game but like there is a total war going on and it means there's a lot more and it, it just it it feels more visceral and more real if that makes sense um so before a lot of the time it would just kind of be oh there's a few forces um running around it's not really that important um the air, air face air bases are or air forces are like three, but each one's like ten, so it's like thirty. You, you've got to use your imagination more in Hard to Find Three, but Hard to Find Four is just going to go low. No, you don't. Smack. Here you go. You have three hundred bombers attacking you right now, for example. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting on that one. So that's something to expect. The fact that there's going to be a lot more aircraft. That also means expect that there's going to be a lot more aircraft getting lost. Another thing to expect is a massive, massive overhaul to the manpower 
system. So the current manpower system, kind of in Hearts of Iron, basically works on you need so much manpower to reinforce all your troops, you need so much manpower to build your forces. Um, and it kind of is how they do manpower and say EU4, and it's very kind of self-explanatory. Um, it's nothing too, too over the top, and yeah, it's pretty basic. This time, however, you are going to have manpower for everything. So, if you want to produce factories, you have manpower. You want to produce um, soldiers, you have manpower. You will have manpower for everything, and you need to be prepared for that. Because if you're not prepared for it, and you decide that, you know what, I have 5.2 million manpower, brilliant, I can build an army of 5.2 million, you're not going to have people working in your factories. Um, and the issue you're going to have with that is your factories are going to shut down, you're going to be able to produce equipment, which means your forces aren't going to be resupplied, and you're going to get fucked over. This kind of has this effect, I personally believe, of making it seem a little bit more um, of a like a national war. Um, it kind of brings, it takes away that facelessness of the kind of industry that it was in Hearts of Iron 3, for example. Um, I don't know what you guys think of it, but I think it's a really nice touch, and I think it's a step in the right direction for it. So, what do you think? It's good. I like it. it yeah, I agree. There's a lot more laws in the game as well, the way that laws work. Um, so, like, laws now have um, various kind of... Um, fuck, my t I'm trying to concentrate on other things and I'm just completely failing. Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. Well, since it's all about manpower now, does it mean that Nazis gonna enslave people and just get more people working for their factories? Um, no, it, right. So the way it will work is kind of um, similar to the way that occupation works in the Hearts of Iron 3. So occupation, basically, you get this very, you basically get local manpower modifier, IC, leadership modifier, partisan support, and local resources. So the more you exploit people, basically, the lower the Sorry, the less you exploit people, the lower the national manpower modifier, um, but the lower the IC you get back from them, etc. So, basically, the lower you, the less harsh you are, the more willing people are to join your army and fight for you. But you'll get less IC because you're kind of letting them keep it to themselves, etc. Um, they have said that you would never ever allow, in especially in World War Two, um, a mechanic that will kind of simulate genocide. You can kind of do it in Crusader Kings and EU4 by destroying cultures, but it's not that easy. I didn't talk about genocide, though. I was talking about but no, you can't enslave like people. In, like in Stellaris? No. Alright. Because... I'm actually glad they removed this, like, they are not adding it. I'm kind of glad. The point well, is, they're, they're not trying to... Make sense. They're trying to keep away from the idea of, um... Like work camps and labor camps, etc. They don't want people to start associating the game with that, etc. So they're not going to allow it to basically happen. So, yeah. So, well, it probably didn't have that much of an impact, really, included in this sort of grand strategy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's something that you have to prepare for. So. You're going to get extra bonuses to manpower from having various different nations, obviously, but it's not going to be like enslaving people type manpower. So, 
yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Um, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something else, and I completely forgot. Um, as I say, another thing you should really want to prepare for is the massive change in technology. So, technology is the technology tree in Hearts of Iron Four is a lot more simple. Um, it's kind of going on. You have various different tiers of equipment, and you have various different kind of level, different aspects of the equipment. So you have your basic equipment, which is kind of used by all your infantry, etc. And then you have individual equipment, so like motorized equipment, um, mechanized equipment, tanks, etc. No longer are you looking at like you have to develop four sets of technologies to improve your tank. You just need one tank technology to improve it. However, one nice touch talking about the tanks is the fact that for every tank chassis, so for example, as Germany, you research Panzer III, and therefore you have the Panzer III chassis. For every tank chassis that you research, you then have three more options of a tank to research off that chassis. So what you will get is you'll get, say, for example, the Panzer 3A, and then you can do the Panzer 3 chassis uh, SPG, which is a self-propelled gun. Then the Panzer 3 uh, SPAA, the Panzer 3 chassis tank destroyer. And that is a really nice touch because it means it kind of reflects that kind of natural um, way that the kind of tank destroyers, SPGs, etc. evolved. They evolved from chassis of main tanks. There's also variance in the game. So the way that variants work is that you'll have so much land experience and you can upgrade your tanks. Um, and you can kind of, it's a little bit kind of RPG, but it means that if your tank has kind of got really bad, it's really bad at going up against, say, the Soviet piercing attack and the Soviet anti-armor, you might realize, hmm, I need to actually increase the armor or I need to make it so it attacks quicker, etc. Have and we then, seen any... Gone. Have we seen any previews of the upgrade system? Because I'm picturing uh, something yeah. almost like uh, um, Civ 4 kind of upgrading units. Um, let me just have a look for you. Um, I'll get you the get you the one and I'll post it in. Um, so experience and variance. Um, they did a dev diary on it themselves, um, and yeah, it's they're they're looking mainly at. Um, there you go. They're looking mainly at ships, but you can do it with tanks, etc. Um, so. Yeah, as I say, they're doing it with ships and stuff. Now, there was one problem that came up in the subreddit that a lot of people kind of got a little bit funny about, was the fact that someone said, oh, by the way, tanks are all the same. Um, they all have the base stats. So, for example, the Panzer III will have the same stats as, say, a the, the equivalent Russian tank, which might be the T-28 or something, or the T-26. They might be on the same level, they'll have the base, same base stats. The difference, however, is the fact that Germany has um, something we'll come on to in a minute that might increase the um, production speed, the armor rating, the general experience that they gain, and therefore will allow you to build quicker variants, etc. So tanks will wildly differ. So countries that are better at building tanks will get better tanks. Um, well, countries that are better at building tanks historically will get better tanks. Um, and countries that aren't as good probably won't have the bonuses to get on the tanks. But it kind of means that they'll all kind of start off at the same level, but the more experienced countries and the kind of bigger countries will very quickly develop 
these uh, new kind of tank and kind of these impressive tanks. So, yeah, it's very possible to see kind of really mighty tanks from Germany and the Soviet Union. So, so as I say, a couple of people got worried about the fact that, oh, God, tanks are very boring, they're very all the same, but they're not. They're not going to be the same. So looking at the variants and the et cetera, what do you guys think of that idea? Because I personally think it's an awesome idea. The, the ability to have variants in tanks so you basically have like the panzer 3 and then you'll get the panzer 3b panzer 3c it's more it's it's so fucking cool i love it i love the idea of it as long as it's as effective as it as it should be you know what i mean then yeah then i i'm all for it yeah no, i think mm-hmm. it'll be yeah yeah it sounds like a great idea because right the second world war was as much of a war of fighting on the ground as it was a war of research and sort of weapons platforms that weapon systems that people used and how those systems kind of played against each other yeah. and improved over time to be better against each other so i think this captures that pretty nicely and we get to do some of that sort of planning as players as well yeah, as I say, I think as, as you're describing, it kind of makes you feel like you are creating these new weapons of war, um, realizing, and these weapons of war were used in various different places, and you're realizing how they work, etc., which is, again, quite cool. Um, I got a question. What? Go on. Uh, is there going to be anything unique about the nuclear weapons? You're very quiet. Uh, yes, there is going to be. Uh, I I was just reading something. But I got sidetracked about uh, nuclear weapons and uh, Hearts of Iron 4. I'm trying to find it. What do you mean? Basically, uh, Error. what I'm asking is if they're adding anything new for the nuclear weapons, so once you reach this technological weapon, you're going to be like, oh my god, I have nukes. And, you know. Well, you have to... Um, whereas in Hearts of Iron 3, for example, with nukes, you could, if you had a strategic bomber and you were in range, you could just drop it. Hearts of Iron 4, you need air superiority over the target. So you can't just... Like, you can't be Germany with no bot, like fighters have one bomber and then drop a nuke on London and all of a sudden Britain surrenders and you win the war. Um, you'd have to have air superiority. Because let's be honest, if that was to happen IRL, the German plane would get shot down. So, wouldn't it? Hello? Yeah. Oh, you just went. I was asking you a question and you just weren't talking. Oh, I didn't hear you. Cut out. Did I? Uh, yeah, I think that cut like, out. Guys. I was just saying that it's. You have. Did I talk about how you had to have superiority? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. That. So. That's how it would be, basically. So, talking about that and looking at the um, the first picture on that one. So, you can see that you have these new kind of, you have laws and government along as research and production. So, this is something else you should expect from Hearts of Iron 4. You should heck expect going back to kind of the old Hearts of Iron 2 style. So, in Hearts of Iron 2, you had research companies. So, they were kind of real life companies experienced in so for example for germany you'd have the man company which is experienced in producing um 
motorized and engines etc you have bmw which was also doing engines messerschmitt planes kind of these big factory heads and kind of people who were experienced at various things now what you can do is you can you don't need them to research in hearts of iron 4 but if you do use them they give you bonuses to your research so and they also give you bonuses to production so this is where countries like germany and russia are going to get bonuses to their tanks to their equipments to their various different technologies because they have these companies that produce them for it and as i say i think this is a really nice like going back to the original like the hearts of iron 2 and how it worked but kind of meaning that you don't have to use it it's not kind of limiting your research power it's just here you go we're kind of looking at it again and yeah this is where people were saying because they said themselves a lot of people like the old way it worked so i'm quite happy that they're doing this and they're moving back to that old kind of style of um game so I mean, there is a lot to expect from Hearts of Iron 4. We're not going to go into all of it. We might talk a little bit more about it in a minute um, if you guys have got anything to ask. But something I am going to prepare to expect, tell you guys to expect, is on the subreddit. Expect some whinging from new players and old players. I can see there being new players that are saying it's too difficult. I can see old players saying it's going to be too dumbed down. My opinion, give it a good play. All right? Don't come along and judge it off your first hour from your initial talkings, from what other people have said, play it yourself and give it one hell of a play. Arsvine deserves you to sink absolute millions of hours into it. And I hope you guys really do do that. Um, I just thought I'd bring that up because I really do feel like that's something that's going to be happening on the subreddit over the next few days once it's released. So is there anything you want to ask about Arsvine for and I'll see if I can answer it the best well, I can. Did someone go to speak there? Oh god. You keep cutting out. I hope it doesn't reflect on the sound in the end. Well, After you're done recording. Out on my end. Yeah, oh, it's all good. I don't know what's going on. It's good. It's, it's stopped for now. Okay. So, um, go on. Is there anything you're expecting from. Um... I'm expecting a lot of fun. And I'm oh. excited for it to come out. I'm looking at it in my Steam library, and I'm like, fuck. Um, six, hurry up. Like, what, is there any questions you've got about it as well? Um, hmm. uh, I can think off the top of my head. When is it out? Comes out on Monday, <laughs> so the uh, So, it comes out on the day, because, you know. Seems like a really good thing to do. Release it on, on D-Day. Um, so, yeah, no, it's been released on D-Day and it indeed. So, what, what kind of sides does the tanks have? What do like, you, mean? you know, Like, ships have armor, deck space, reliability, and then... I'm guessing... What, what do tanks have? I mean, yes, it doesn't say, but I'm guessing, like, armor, tracks, engine, reliability... And gun, possibly. Gunnery? So, so um, I'm guessing they're probably going to use, if I go into the tech tree on Hearts of Iron 3, um, armor it has, the four you have to research to get like the next level of tank is um, tank gun, tank engine, tank armor, tank reliability. For um, ships, it's normally 
engine armor, guns, anti-aircraft armament, etc. So, yeah, I'm expecting it to be something very similar to that. Because um, you see there, it says armor, engine reliability, and then deck space. So that deck space one is probably something like for tanks, be guns, etc. Stuff that are kind of um, used by... Like, the armor and stuff is fairly generic, and the other one is just used by the, whatever the special thing is. So, like, planes might have uh, armament as well. So. Yeah, I sure hope they don't fuck it up. I mean, another thing as well with this is the fact that you've actually got... Um, you have to produce equipment. So, to actually produce units, you need to produce equipment and keep them going. They ha you have to keep producing equipment. It's not like in this where you have to have reinforcement a slider. You just have to have factories committed to producing equipment. So, I hope they don't fuck it up. Um, I really, really do. Because it's it looks like it's going to be really, really good. And, obviously... If they get this nailed down, and they get it right, and they they make it open to a load of people, um, and people want to play it, then yeah, it's going to be kind of able for these like new players to get involved. And getting new players involved means there'll be more people wanting to play multiplayer. There'll be more people on subreddit, more people listening to the podcast. No, no, I'm joking. Um, but no, yeah, it just means that more people get involved, and it helps Paradox out. So, yeah, hopefully people will get involved. And, uh, yeah. So, actually, we forgot one bit of things we were going to talk about. So, we were also going to talk about um, the new dev diary that's come out for Crusader Kings 2. So, we brought you last week that there is a up-and-coming Crusader Kings 2 DLC. We'll talk over this very briefly, um, and we'll move on to just general chit-chat. Um so we talked about they were talking in last week's dev diary about how they're planning to make diseases and death and destruction much more exciting um which is going to be interesting actually um so yeah we'll have to have a look at that one um i mean i don't really know well i don't know how i feel about that how doing diseases it kind of seems a little bit don't want to say empty, but small. But we'll have to see how it is. But what they've released this week is they kind of said that they've uh, introducing new systems um, to the game. So seclusion is one. So you can go. It's kind of like going into hiding, but you basically take your whole court with you, um, and you just try and make sure that people don't spread diseases to you. Um, that's the basic principle of that one. You just block everybody out. Um, it looks like that portraits are getting updated for various different things. So, for example, the two screenshots they have, they have someone who seems to be suffering from leprosy along with someone who seemingly is blinded in one eye. Now, the guy who is missing an eye has a eye patch, um, which looks quite cool, and the guy who has leprosy is very pale. Um, they talk about how you can build um, trade posts. Sorry, hospitals, not trade posts. Um, there are new holding types built the same way as trade posts and forts in the game, and they basically stop spreading. They, they reduce the chance of outbreaks of diseases. To replenish that, what they do um, is they'll cost a, absolute masses of money. They are very expensive, and they need a lot of technology to do it. The other thing as well is certain things that you can build in them, such as leper colonies, etc., will also increase the decrease, rather, the revolt risk of the uh, region 
again making it more accessible and kind of a little bit more realistic people who are healthy are generally less grumpy about things generally people who are ill have stuff to blame it on um so it'll be interesting it'll also be interesting to see how they like how medicine is spread throughout that game so if you're going to do it realistically the east will have much better medicine than the west um and the west will basically believe god help him um etc so it's interesting to see what's going to happen with that one as i say there's not much coming out on it yet we don't have a name for it it's just kind of dev diaries letting us know that yeah it's kind of something that's going to happen so that is the end of the normal podcast that's the end of our news and what to basically expect from hearts of iron 4 now we're just going to do our general chit chat bit if you guys like this um i'm very tempted to actually separate the two so um release two podcasts a week in one kind of um released format so we kind of release the normal podcast as it is under the platypus podcast and then release the second one as like the platypus after hours podcast that is the idea i've got in my head but we'll have to see what we do with that and see how it goes if you guys like it let me know in the comments um let me know by sending me messages etc and you know what you know the drill anyway we are i'm going to move off hearts fire and i'm going to move on to something else if you guys want to join me you're more than welcome to um so yeah, what have you guys been doing up this week? How have you guys been? Good, good. Mm. Work, work. I feel you. I know how you feel. I too have been working. What, what do you? Wanted. What do you even do, Sipiak? Like, I'm curious. No, oh, I'm a student. We had like production practice this week. Ah, I see. So when the teachers came to us, like said, like, hey, like that guy from somewhere over there, he ordered we make a bunch of these, so make a bunch of these, and we were doing those for two weeks. How was it? Yeah, it was too short of a deadline, I guess, because like we had to start from scratch with nothing and only had two weeks to finish with a project that should probably take two months. So uh, it's awful. It it looks awful. It barely works, and uh, it's done in two weeks. So I guess you can't complain. Well, yeah, true. I've been just getting really sick and tired at work this couple of weeks, especially today. Oh, what God. do you even do? So I'm a student as well, but I work in a supermarket to basically pay the bills, pay for the podcast, etc. That's why you guys should donate, so I don't have to do it anymore. Um, but no, seriously, like. So that's what I do. I work in a um, wrong way. I work in a supermarket. It's okay, um, but like, have, do you guys have self-service checkouts? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, self-service checkouts. Hell, well, no, I haven't seen those. So basically, they're like normal checkouts, but what they have on them is you kind of go along yourself and scan, and it just comes up green. And you have to put it down on a um, particular bit, and it's a pain in the ass. But, well, I say it isn't, it isn't, because the thing is, is it's a pain in the ass because... Um, you kind of sat there and a lot of people don't actually know how to use it and then the problem they've got with that is then they call you over to get you to kind of work it for them 
and I work in a store that's in the middle of a city and there's a lot of old people well I say yeah there's a lot of old people who come in to do their shopping and they're like oh I'll pick a few things up and then they pick a couple of things up and they're like oh can you do this for me I'm like but it's called self-service and yeah I was there today I literally <laughs> was thinking of how I wanted to murder most of them jeez damn thank god you guys don't people. have guns no, we're not we're not like America yeah that's probably why we don't have guns we're so annoyed at things that we just kill things. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. Um, what? There's no more tea? <laughs> there's no, you're, you're not giving me tea? Um, that's it. Gun out, just blow someone away. Sends them like flying across the fucking street. Well, have you heard the recent news about Tutankhamun? Pardon? The Pharaoh of Egypt. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um, his knife. Oh, you go ahead. King's Tut. The the knife that killed King Tut was uh, a meteorite knife. It was made from like metal from. Was he killed by his own knife? I don't know if it was his own. I. I it was his it, own. It probably oh, was. Yeah. He they made it. They took a meteorite stone and made him a knife. And if you look at the drawings, he's holding his knife. I thought it was one that he was stabbed by. Or was it just his? From the article I was reading, it was his. Oh, I see the one I was reading. Just, I don't understand was... why this is such a big deal, though. Because, you know, the clickbait art. Other than like... the fact that it's iron. In... Well, yeah, I know that, but it was the fact that clickbait articles say, Oh my god, King Tut's knife was from outer space! And then everyone's like, <gasps> Aliens! And like, oh, ancient aliens is gonna get <laughs> a kick out British. of this. I'm pretty sure that That's pretty. some of the first tools which were ever made, like from stone to copper, whatever the first stage was called, bronze probably, they were yeah, from meteorites. Because um, right, nobody was like digging for ores. Inuits, they had... Um, like there was some Inuits that had like didn't have any access to metal t smelting technology, but there was a massive meteorite, and yeah, they um, they took metal off the meteorite and made like knives and forks and things. Oh, bugger! Yeah. Have you seen there the you knife? It looks quite nice. I haven't seen it. No. Did you guys hear that Madagascar was actually uh, colonized by Asians? Yeah, you said this. You sent this to me, like, yeah. and you were like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Are you okay?" And you were like, "Like man, yeah, and that's so interesting." Go on, talk what about it. What is wrong with you? Talk about it, man. Like, what is there to talk about? They proved that it's like what that that like a fucking little Asians fucking and little dugout canoes got to goddamn fucking Madagascar. What else okay, is there to say? That. I'm ah, I'm a little fucking baked, but like I mean, when am <laughs> I not? When am I not though? Let's be honest. So true. See, I'm a little bit more than normal. Are we are we doing podcast v point uh, v point two? Damn it! Hello. I don't know. Like maybe. But anyways, yeah, fucking. Um, I was just thinking, like, the reason why that, like, intrigued me so much was I was thinking, like, you know, if that's possible, then there's much more, like, you know, possible in regards to that. Like, the whole theory, um, like, with the Pacific Island, uh, island people and everything like that. 
Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. You could, uh, one of the oldest pyramids was discovered in, I think, like Indonesia. They say it's like over 30,000 years old. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that, like, it makes me think. I don't know. I feel like we've lost more than we can ever learn, like, gain back. You know what I mean? Like, history. And uh, we're constantly finding new things out. And, uh, yeah, I just love it. Love it when they something new comes out. You know what I mean? They've proved. I'm like, oh. You know, it's nice to know that. I just like knowing things. Well, I mean, it is quite interesting, I must admit. It was, but when you sent it to me, I was just there like, eh? And then I, I looked into it, and yeah, it was a little bit interesting. But... So. I just like so, how they proved it, like, from the, like, the remains of, like, crops and just different foods that they ate and everything. I, I just thought that was uh, interesting. Should have went lemurs. Yeah, and like rice and shit. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, what have you guys been playing this week? Oh, was I? Hold what on, I gotta check out what I was playing. Oh, Team Fortress, uh, uh, Mountain Blade, of course. I'm not playing it out. Oh, I downloaded the new Unreal Tournament, and then it, it ran like shit, so I uninstalled it. Is there anything that's been really has really stood out uh, this week about your gaming experiences? Mhm, mm mhm. Mm yeah, I also played some Minecraft. That was fun. Minecraft. Do you know the game Guns Online? No. Fucking sucks. You haven't played the first one. You didn't play the second one. Oh yeah, it's, it's shitty Korean uh, Counter Strike ripoff. I know. It's not a Counter Strike ripoff. It's actually far away from being a Counter Strike ripoff. Yeah, it is. I've played can... those Korean shooters. They all just rip off Counter Strike in some way or another, and they How try to the make money by like reselling better weapons. They're all pay to win. There's no pay to win there in the first game now. Yeah. Sipiak, oh, yeah. haven't you learned you can't argue points with Eternal about video games? Okay, you can't. You can't win in this. Okay. Well, I know how the Korean shooter games are made. They like sell uh, better characters and weapons. Yeah, but I'm not talking about the Korean shooter games. I'm talking about Guns Online. Well, it's a Korean shooter, so it works like a Korean shooter. That's a Korean racist, I guess. I'm not sure how to call it. Even. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I... of course. Uh, what, what I want to say about it is that, of course, the game is now dead. There's no American servers, only Korean and Brazilian server. Well, but there's a bunch of private know. servers you can play. Uh, each offers its own unique things. So if you feel like, are we, if you don't on, like wait, the wait, second channel, are you telling something? Are you not telling us something? Are you sponsored yeah? by this game? Hell no. Why would they? Yeah. It's a game I played when I was a child. It's like the Matrix. You can wall jump. It's a game that kind of based on skill, you learn your moves, but it's also uh, because it's not based like, uh, let's say, um, what it's called, uh, Overwatch, where you shoot first and you get your kill. That game, the hits are register on your computer instead of the server, which is can bring some problems. Yeah. But as long as you can overlook this problem and you feel like you want to try a game where you can world run. Have some sword fighting mixed with guns. Oh, there's a bunch of uh, private servers that are still alive if you want to try. 
You really didn't sell that game on me. Like I'm like It's free to play. You download the game from a private server because there's no servers there anymore and you play your game. No so, yeah. Strange to tell you're an old Korean shooter. Yeah, Supac seems fairly fairly mute on the point. Look, I, I've played a bunch of those when I was younger as well. But uh, I have no illusions about them. Wait, wait, in other news, walking the writer of Walking Dead, Robert Kirkman, says he is disappointed in George R.R. R. Martin for letting HBO overtake the story of well, okay. uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, right? We were talking about this today, the, um, the other day, um, Game of Thrones. So, do you know what, the, have you seen that, like, they've released what the last few episodes are going to be called? No, I didn't see what they were going to be so, called, like, why? The last one is going to be called Winds of Winter. And we were just there, like, obviously what's going to happen is it's going to come up and just say, like, at the end of it, now in store, Winds of Winter. And then just watch, like, Amazon crash. It's just everybody buys Winds of Winter. <laughs> or it's just, like, someone in the background of the TV show just there, like, just, like, in the pub, just, like, reading it, but reading it really obviously. Like, yeah, you, you see what we got here? See what we've got? Yeah. Uh huh. That's right, bitches. And then that'd just, be yeah, pretty funny. Everybody. Sorry, what? Um, that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> I hope that's what happens. It's a massive fuck you. That's why I like it. Oh, damn it! Like that is a massive fuck you to like everybody. Just like, just suddenly bring it out of the blue. Just like, yeah, we're gonna sell it. We're gonna sell, sell it to you. Um. But yeah, no, it, it's taking an interesting turn, Game of Thrones. Quite interested. I mean, yeah, I'm too into it. There's what four episodes left? Seven, eight, nine, and ten. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So yeah. Good. Anyway, UK in the next couple of weeks, we've got its vote on fucking the EU on We're, Brexit. Yeah, Brexit. I would totally vote for Brexit. Well, yeah, but you're Canadian. You're not even in Europe. Yeah. You just want to be Europe. Oh. We don't. No, who wants to be Europe. Europe, seriously? Oh, piss off, Israel. No, don't, <laughs> even, don't even bring that shit. You're in the Eurovision contest. You're in the Euro 2016. How? Why? Well, I feel like we got told that you had to be nice to you. It's like, guys, just be nice to Israel. Let them in on your party. We're like, oh, all right, then. You well, you guys did so. fuck their country up, so... Yeah, that's probably Ooh. true. That's probably Who why. fucked their country? Like, Europe. How? Because, you know, we put you in a place where you... Yeah. Anyway, let's not go But that's you. not what created Israel, though. It perhaps enhanced it, but we're talking about something different. But, um, yeah, it's, uh... It's it's an interesting one. As I say, I I need to sort out my postal vote because I'm going home for a couple of weeks. So, as I was saying, um, next week there will be a podcast. I'll be in a different environment. I will have a dog with me. Holy shit, mm. it's going to be amazing. Um, oh, it's going to be. Didn't you say shit. that last week? Yeah, I know. I'm just. Your dog is yappy, isn't it? No, no. He he won't bother us unless I say, unless I tell him to. Oh. Is it like Toad's cat? Yeah, that's what? bullshit. 
He's your dog like Tyler's cat. <laughs> no, no, my cat insane. is fucking annoying. No. I got him this uh, shit that should calm him down though, so... Was it catnip? N no, but I did get him like a different type of catnip that's apparently calming, <laughs> but it's totally not. <laughs> is it weed? No, no, motherfucker won't eat weed. Axid. I feel like you've tried it. The way you said well, that... I've every time I get a bag, I like you know open it and let him smell it. Everything I bring in the house, he's like wants to smell anyway. So like you know what I mean. And like if I'm smoking a joint, like he'll come up and like try to get some puffs. He's always smelling it and shit. But like when I take my bong to, because I put tobacco in my bowl, so like he hates that shit. Come up and smell the bong, and he's like meows at me. Like what the fuck are you doing? And he knows what I'm talking about him right that. now too, because he's being a little annoying fucker. He's just looking at me. <laughs> he's a fucking weird cat. Yeah, literally though, no joke. Should have got catnip. Should have got eh. all of the catnip. I don't but, know. Yeah. I think no, he's a catnip addict. My catnip's not gonna. Um, catnip, my dog. God damn it, not my catnip. No, my dog's not gonna <laughs> cause us any issues unless, like, I tell him to. So he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah, what pisses me off about the situation is that you're going to be on a really shitty computer and like, I, I want to play Hearts of Iron. And, um, it's um, not that bad a PC. So. It's probably shittier than the one I'm running right now. Yeah, it, it probably is. And that's bad. Because like, I don't have the greatest uh, rig. It won't be too bad. It'll be okay. Alright. It should run Hearts Fine 4. I'm not going to say that's a promise, but... Yeah, it should run Hearts Fine 4. So... And then we can get Hearts Fine 4 game going. We'll bring you details about our multiplayer version of... Our multiplayer game of Hearts Fine 4 next week. Wait, I actually have a question. Go on. In the UK, like, you have, like... City councillors, right? Yeah. So like, like in, in Game of Thrones, in each city there's like wards, and this like the cities divide into like different wards, and then you have like people that represent you for that ward. You know what I mean? No, it's like really. the city. Well, those are the city councilors. That's how we elect city councilors. Right. It's like there's like five or six wards in my city, and then we have two people. This is the, this is what I'm complaining about. So you have two people for each ward are elected, and like these people decide what gets done. Okay. Yeah. And, like, here's the problem, is that, like, you elect two people, well, you're going to have one guy from one party, one guy from another party, and they're always parties that hate each other. So they always just counter each other, so it's always a stalemate? Do you, am I the only one that sees the problem in electing two people for each ward? Like, why? That's like electing two people to be prime minister. You, you know what I mean? Like, shit ain't going to get done. I suppose you got a point. Right? Isn't it kind of fucking stupid? Trying I was to. thinking about that today. I had to. Eat. I was like, I, I was complaining. I'm, I'm like fucking trying to find out who I can call to like complain about something. And <laughs> I like to I... complain, please. Yeah. Governor's run. Can we just have that out? You're... Just <laughs> all the time. You don't even have to be elected. You know what? You know what? I'll do it. I will take over. I'm taking over. I, I am now your president. <laughs> Well, there's actually a there's actually a vote. There's a vote to change that actually because we're like paying double the amount of salaries we need to. We need to save money. 
And like you're talking about like only having one person per ward and it's like a vote that's going to happen I think in the next few months. So is I'm totally ward, voting to only have ward, one person ward, per ward. I was going to say ward zit. It doesn't look like work. Oh, what? What? Like, I was going to say Brexit. <laughs> war... Is it a walk zit? I guess. Words, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't even. It doesn't work. Yeah, I yeah. realized. I realized it doesn't work. Wait, what would be like? How could you word it for like Canada leaving NATO? Uh, a nate nexit, a nexit, be a nexit, a nexit. Yeah, a nexit. Oh yeah, that, that makes sense. So be a wexit. <laughs> so is that what it is? It's a wexit. Hey, we're going on our Wexit. So, yeah. So, Sipiak, what have you been doing this week? Apart from, uh, no, Eternal, sorry. We've already asked you, Sipiak. What have you this week? Get any more texts from Hamas? <laughs> that was two years ago or a year ago. So that that that, mu that must mean that they just know better than to text you now. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, he's a smart ass. <laughs> <laughs> he he knows what he's doing. He's a he's a he's a badass motherfucker. We don't we don't wanna him. we don't wanna warn him about the next rocket launch. No. 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 We just we just gonna do it. We just gonna gonna do it. We just gonna like launch rockets at his face. We... Oh yeah, me and CPEC were playing Origin uh, Scene uh, Divinity. Oh, you you playing... oh yeah, you were playing it when I was doing my challenge stream, which we'll talk about in a minute. That mm -hmm. went well. Mm. That was the thing. Mostly just cheated our way through it, because it's been getting quite boring lately. Yeah, I created some cheats. Created in quotes. Didn't really create them, just used cheat engine. And yeah. we passed through, and around no creator we couldn't pass before, simply because, I don't know. Yeah, no, the game's. I don't know. If either we made really shitty characters, or that game's balance is all broken. Because a lot of encounters in that game are almost impossible. So you know, you you you're pretty much always fighting against somebody a lot stronger than you. Wow. And there's just, just there's really no sad. way around it. Because it has a sort of a linear progression. What are you playing on Insurgency? Don't know yet. Something not gay. Like just play Crush or something. Have you tried America's Army? No, no. What? What about Insurgency? What did he say? Well, we're fight. speaking about Insurgency. Uh, have you tried America's Army? No. Uh, no, we're not having this conversation again. We had this. I'm the just other asking day. if you played America's Army. Yeah, but I know it's going to turn into that conversation we had the other day. Yeah, it's right, impossible to have it. What, what happened? No, just that uh, Insurgency only is in mind with the old America's Army 2 game. Uh, not this new one that looks like Call of Duty now. And I was just wondering if any of you old timers played it. No. Shame. 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 I don't yeah, remember I which it. one I played. Hmm. There were like three of those, right? Well, the second one. It was like about five years ago, I guess. They moved to the third one, and you can't download the second one anymore because I don't know America. Um, America. What do you remember? Maybe you can like, tell me your experience. 
saving the world every motherfucking day, yeah. Someone came to me the other day and said America's, um, Team America was literally, um, what's his, uh, Donald Trump's wet dream. Political fact of the week. I feel like how I should have done that beforehand. What's everybody's favourite type of nut? D's. <laughs> Cashews? Mine's pistachio. And for some oh. reason, I've just, I've just decided to fill up like a glass full of pistachio nut husks with water. Why? I don't know, because I'm a bit mental. Are what are those big it? nuts called? Walnuts? Yeah, walnuts. Yeah, I've, I've seen, I was like... going to say my balls, but I mean... <laughs> yeah. Outside of our university, there's a tree. And uh, on it grow flowers. A lot of flowers. And those flowers taste exactly like walnuts. So uh, I just sometimes go and collect a bunch of those. And eat are you them. okay, Sipiak? They're actually edible. I, I looked it up online. <laughs> well, only after I ate them, though. What are, what, what's the uh, plant called? Uh, the plant? Hold on, I'm gonna have to look it up. Grab it. Well, you keep talking. I'll just wait for me here. I'm, I'm, I'm just worried. I'm just hoping you're okay, man. They'll be fine. A plan outside our universe. No, university. Oh! He's foraging for universe. fucking school, man. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, he's foraging for fucking food. You know? Who's foraging for schools? There's a Ukraine. fucking war going on. Ukraine's got that bad. <laughs> no, screw you guys. Th those are really tasty flowers and they're for free. So, deal with it. You I don't get tasty flowers exactly for free. You eat them? I thought you just lost it. I bet he hallucinates after he eats them. I bet you're hallucinating right now. I wish. I haven't eaten any mushrooms, so, unfortunately. Uh, are you in this server? I, yeah. I, I think so, but like, my push to talk fucks with the game. It's pissing me off. Well, GG. Ah, ah, shit. I was pinned. <laughs> Some guy just put like about six million rounds in my direction. Um, Everybody on this server is giving me cancer. I know what you mean. Yeah, probably one I think I problem. need chemotherapy now. With the with that game, because everybody's dead for so long, they just can't help it. Not talk shit. Never mind, it's gone terminal. So, I was going to ask something else, but I forgot what I was going to ask, because, you know, I'm good. I'm a good good host of a podcast. Where are you, YouTube? My push to talk is my shooting button, so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and if I alt tab it, I'll have to, like, leave and come back, so. Oh, I'm dead. Um, so, yeah, no, I think we'll leave it here for this week, then. 
Um, thank you very much, guys, for supporting us, and thank you very much for listening to the Platypus podcast. I've been Lozy. These guys have been the deplorable idiot. <laughs> Lol. Um, so uh-huh. I was just watching someone try and throw a grenade and fail. These guys have been the deplorable idiots that I have the joys of uh, doing this with. So, yeah, we will see you next So rude. Time. I, I haven't even found the name of the flower yet. So, au revoir.